handle the truth. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm your co-host, James Jackson. Sitting across the Zoom platform once again as we're still in quarantine is my co-host, Jake Galley, our main statistician, Stat Matt. We have Jewel Schmitz uh, sitting around the corner. We'll hear from her a little bit or a little bit later. But how are you guys doing? How, how's quarantine holding up still? Everything's going well. I almost like there was like near gale force, force winds outside of my – like I've never heard the wind – as hard as it's been today, ever in my life. So. Yeah, I'm worried we're gonna lose power, but we lost power for like a second. It's back on, so we're good. Well, I need you to like have all your willpower and summon <laughs> all the energy in the universe so you don't lose power, because that'll really you know fuck things up for us here, man. And I, you know, I hate to think about this. <laughs> yeah, we need you. We need you on camera, buddy. But let's get into it, guys. Um, last weekend, obviously, was the NFL draft, which provided us, you know. You know, somewhat of live sports content, something we've been starved for for, what, 50 days now? So, thank God it happened. And it was a really interesting one, but that leads me right to the fact straight at you. In the modern era, there's only been two NFL drafts without a Hall of Famer selected, obviously excluding the most recent drafts of about five years, well, because it can't be a Hall of Famer yet. But that's 1984 and 1992. So, I mean, going into every draft, right, GMs pick who they think, you know, are, are going to you know end up being – surefire picks and good picks and then there's picks that everyone has their takes about that you know end up being wrong so i'll pose this question to everybody what's one take that you think from this draft that you think you could end up being wrong about in the future jake i'll start with you so obviously like the shocker of the draft not even as an eagles fan i think objectively speaking would be the eagles selecting jalen hurts in the second round i mean look look when you have a quarterback that you just gave a huge contract the last thing that you expect is for them to spend, that team to spend a high draft pick on another quarterback. So, I mean, after rationalizing, after having time to think about it, my that's take, what y'all do. Y'all get mad at what happened. Of course. You rationalize it right after. You have to, that's the best part is that you get to figure <laughs> out ways to like the pick. You, you yeah, okay. convince yourself. But, you know, I, I thought about it for a while. And as I've said on the show, I love Jalen Hurts, the quarterback. Like, I love Jalen Hurts, the quarterback. He's, he was one of my favorite guys coming out this year. Maybe not for the Eagles. But <laughs> I came to this conclusion. The Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts because they don't trust Carson Wentz's health. Period. That's what the take that I am sitting in right now. However. But you think that take's going to be wrong? Like, you can't I think it can otherwise. be wrong. You can't convince me otherwise that that's why they took him. So I don't know if you've heard of a guy named Taysom Hill who has been playing He's not for the Jalen Saints. Hurts, who is to me very He's much different than Jalen Hurts. Much, He's much different. different, but he is one of the very unique players in the NFL that is used as a tight end, a special teamer, sometimes a running back, sometimes a quarterback. And the quarterback is the most important part because a couple of years ago, Press Taylor, uh, who was then the quarterback's coach, had made some comments about you know I think the next revolution, the next tricky thing that we'll see pop up in offensive play calling will be multiple players on the field who can throw the football well. Taysom Hill is like the quarterback three. Jalen Hurts is arguably a quarterback one on some teams, um, and at least I think he can be. So the way that he proves me wrong is if he's used and the Eagles use him in this Taysom Hill role, which I think is possible. I mean, 15 snaps a game is what Taysom Hill was getting. He was out there about 22% of the time. And I think 
when you look at Jalen Hurts, the athlete, the guy is a super freak. I mean, the guy is an absolute stud. Let me read you off. Just as a running back, not even throwing the ball last year, Jalen Hurts on Oklahoma as a runner, 233 rushing attempts, two yards short of 1,300 yards on the year, and 20 touchdowns. Does that sound like a guy who you wouldn't want with the football in his hands on your team? That's someone who I want with the football in his hands on my team. Correct. We, we also know, and of course this is me playing devil's advocate and nitpicking out anything positive for the Eagles, so allow me to play my role. But you look at where Jalen Hurts played his senior year of football, he played it in the Big 12. Are defenses that good in the Big 12, Jake? <laughs> Is the Big Twelve writing home? Is Big Twelve writing home about their defenses? No. Okay. I'm pretty sure Oklahoma was averaging like 40 points a game or something stupid like that. Matt will probably check me on that exact number, but it was somewhere you know up very high like that. They're not getting much resistance on the defensive end, and also we know things kick up what one two notches in the NFL, right? Jalen Hurts was running past on average on a Big Twelve defense, running past maybe one to two pro players on that team. Uh, Jalen Hurts is running past all pro players. When he's, when he's running past defenses nowadays. So I, I can't – you can't just take what Jalen Hurts was able to do and translate it exactly to the NFL because that's not a skill set. He's, we're not looking at a Johnny Manziel, a Lamar Jackson, a, someone who, a Robert Griffin III, like someone who's known as that, you know, stamp dual-threat quarterback. He's a, a quarterback first who has the ability to, you know, create and make plays. But to try to move him in that Taysom Hill role to make him a utility belt is going to, like – to me, diminishes diminishes. Personally, I don't even think it's as much about Wentz's injury history as it is just the Eagles quarterback injury history as a whole. Since 2006, the Eagles have made the playoffs eight times. Six of those times, the backup quarterback played the majority of the playoff game. And, and Howie Roseman Hurts says donut. much. Hurts Howie, it's a Hurts donut. Ironically. <laughs> it's a Hurts donut. <laughs> Indeed, but. And you listen to Howie Roseman. He's like, look, like, we respect Carson. We know we let Carson know we're going to surround him with all these weapons. But at the end of the day, I have to protect the team. And that's the message that he relayed, which is why right now sitting in this chair, I can't see the main reason. And maybe, maybe they do plan on using him like, like Taysom Hill. And, and, and you can, like you said, you, you have devil advocate points for that, for and against it. But at the end of the day, this pick was made to make sure that the Eagles were not caught bare once again, like Matt pointed out, at the quarterback position. And that falls back upon Carson Wentz the past three years, whether it, you know whether you want to consider it dirty shots or, or just luck or injury luck or whatever. He hasn't been there for parts of this season. So I like Jalen Hurts, the player. I think he can be a great Eagle, and I'm excited to see what he brings. But and that's that, where and, I stand right now. And that's not what I'm arguing. I'm not arguing that Jalen Hurts is – you know, going to be a good player for you guys. Or, you know, maybe he's going to end up panning out as your second, you know, your second round draft pick. What I'm saying you have to come to terms with is that Howie Roseman and the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts because they're not confident in Carson Wentz's, you know, injury history. They're not confident in his health moving forward. Like, that's the only way I can justify it. Uh, no, but, that, James, that's you what I'm saying. I agree with you. I agree with you. And you I think hope that, that you're wrong. You hope that that's wrong? I'm just it's saying that there's a odd fell than there's about Carson Wentz. But who okay. cares about it? No, it's not. No, they value the backup no matter who the starter is. Because when Vic was a quarterback, Foles had to go in. When Cobb was a quarterback, Vic had to go in. When McNabb was a quarterback, Jeff Garcia had to go in. You could get Vic around that with a $1 million Jameis Winston signing you. or Cam Thank Newton you. signing. Or Cam Newton signing or Andy Dalton signing now. Like, that's, that's my point. And you don't pick gadget players in the second round. 
Like that, you know. So that's round, part of that's part of the pick too. Yeah, I want my my second round pick needs to hit the field. My second round pick needs to impact. Like if the best case scenario for the Eagles, Jalen Hurts doesn't hit the field. Like that's the uh, best case scenario for the Eagles. That means Carson exactly. That, that's my problem. With. And that hurts. Is that you? That you look back at all the quarterbacks drafted in the second round over the last ten years, none of them were drafted to be backups. But like I said, like I said, there is a, a real life possibility where they do find success using him in that role. That's the only reason I think – I mean, look, I'm not wrong often. That's the only reason I think I could be wrong on something like that. Okay. <laughs> How about you? What do you think? Matt, your biggest saying, Matt doesn't need to check him on that one, but okay. I'll, I'll, move, on. I'll move on to mine. Um, mine was that the number one running back selected shouldn't have been Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, I obviously thought it was going to be either Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift. But again, you know, just like you, Jake, looking back at – um, you know, reevaluating the pick and more importantly, reevaluating who picked him. I think I'm going to be wrong for that take. Overall, as a running back, I still think I'm, you know, I'm always probably going to go with Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift just as an overall running back standpoint. But if I looked at who took him and that was the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, I also think it, like, it really fits their offensive scheme. Um, I mean, fun fact, Patrick Mahomes actually handpicked Edwards Alaire for the Chiefs. Like he he went into the to the draft room and had you know thoughts and told the organization that's the running back I want. And if you look at what he did at, at LSU and in the SEC, you it's really easy to see why Patrick Mahomes really wanted that. Um, he led the SEC in receiving yards by a hundred yards, like so by you know almost games worth, you know to the next person, which obviously fits the scheme of the Chiefs. Less of a downhill running football team and more of a use your backs in the passing game and. When you look at, you know, what Claude Edwards-Alaire was able to do with a bevy of weapons in LSU, he goes to an offense that has a bevy of weapons in the Kansas City Chiefs and has a really creative quarterback to be able to get him the ball in all these different ways. So, I mean, I think it's, it's just going to go down to we're going to have to see Claude Edwards-Alaire go into the Chiefs offense and really be able to be utilized by Big Red and them. Yeah, and James, if you, if you saw Andy Reid's comments about what they liked in Hilaire and what – um, maybe Mahomes was seeing in Hilaire. It's, you know, the things that you, you stated, his work as a receiver out of the backfield, specifically in that Andy Reid scheme, can be prolific. Andy Reid himself said he's like Brian Westbrook, but better in terms of when they were evaluating Westbrook compared to when they were evaluating Edwards Hilaire. And we talked with Westbrook's former head coach in college, and we know how great of a, not only just a player, but work ethic and worker that Brian Westbrook was. So like for me, you're right. Maybe maybe you raise your eyebrows a little bit at them not going with Swift here because he is kind of the better dual threat or at least was perceived to be the better dual threat back out of college. But um Edward Solaire is a guy who I like a lot. And honestly I see maybe he wasn't the right pick. Maybe you could have gotten someone better, but he's going to have a hell of the first couple of years in that offense. That's no doubt in my opinion. I trust Andy Reid a lot at evaluating offensive talent. And I think that's one, Matt, that's a, a position you have to take. You have to realize Andy Reid is, you know, pretty good at, at doing what he does. And two, you have to also look from the standpoint of answering the question, what take I'm going to be wrong about. Like, yes, I could say maybe they got someone, they could have gotten someone better. But if we look three, four years down the road, which is really when you have to evaluate your draft picks and give them that time, you look three or four years down the road and the Chiefs are sitting on another Lombardi trophy and Clyde Edwards-Alaire has really helped their offense, then you, you can't argue that point. You can't argue that they got the pick wrong. Well, and here's the tough thing, too, is that where does DeAndre Swift go? He goes to Detroit under Matt Patricia, who his former team, the Patriots, uses running backs like that very sparingly. They don't give them a workhorse load. And there's a chance that we never see Swift reach his top potential because of that. So 
when you look at like why is a pick correct or incorrect, there's a lot of factors that go into judging that. But um, I mean, clearly, like you said, if Mahomes likes him, I, I don't think I can say anything about the pick. Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean Mahomes, Mahomes loves to throw to his running backs. Like they rely on the running backs to score. Damian Williams led the, league, led the team in touchdowns last year. LaShawn was only two, D, two TDs behind him, and Darren Williams was only one behind LaShawn. Like their running backs are, are what's leading the brigade to the end zone. And Clyde Edwards Alaire is no stranger to the end zone. First in the SEC in rushing TDs, you know, six among the Power Five conferences. So he's, he's built for that Chiefs offense. It's one of those things where, much less like the Jalen Hurts pick, but along the same lines of when that name gets shouted out at the end of the first round, you're like, whoa. And it's the only running back taken. We heard, you know, we, it wasn't as deep as the wide receiver class, but we heard great things about at least the top running backs coming out. And, you know, it's going later and later in the first round. You're like, I, why have I not heard a name yet. And then the first running back name you hear is Clyde Edwards Alaire. And I'm like, they got that wrong. Come on, Chiefs, they got that wrong. But it's funny because the last time the Chiefs made an eye raising draft pick like that, like they traded up to get Patrick Mahomes. And everyone was like, who is this kid, Patrick Mahomes? Why would you trade up and go get him this early in the first round? And I mean, everyone who ever said that was wrong immediately. Uh, I appreciate actually us having this conversation. Reminds me, I made a bet with a friend that DeAndre Swift would not go in the first round. Uh, and I was worried that he was going to go to the Chiefs when I saw how the board fell. And uh, I never Venmo requested him for the five. So thank you. I would have forgotten. Him, tell him to bring you the money. <laughs> bring me my money. That's right. Yeah. Matt, Matt, what's, what's your take that you think you're – first of all, let's all take this moment to realize that Stat Matt is about to say a take that he thinks he's going to be wrong about. I want to get that on, make sure it's – First ever. First time for everything. First ever. So go ahead, Matt. Isaiah Simmons will be the third best player in the draft, only behind Burrow and Chase Young. And I love Isaiah Simmons very much as a Clemson homer. Wow. Um, wow. He, okay. he is just this unbelievable, ridiculous athlete. He outran Travis Etienne in a, like a, like a 40-time they ran against each other. He can do anything on the field, but I'm so worried that a coach is going to screw him up. Because he's not incredible at being a safety. He's not incredible at being a linebacker. He's not incredible at being a slot corner a lot of the time. But it's about using him in the right situations. And he had a great defensive coordinator at Clemson with Brent Venables. Mm -hmm. who Probably it's shocking he hasn't taken a head coach job yet. Um, and I think if he doesn't have the right coach, he could just turn out to be like a decent player that like gets forgotten quickly. And I, and I, and I, I, think he's very heavily coaching reliant and there's a good chance like four years would be like oh he's a decent player but I don't know why he went in the top 10 right. and I, I could I, I see a lot of scenarios where that happens even though I, I mean, think he's incredible granted there is precedent with two players that immediately come to mind uh at Arizona and with the Cardinals I know granted different coaching staffs for these guys, but Tyron Matthew, the way that he was used and the way he's been continued to be used. And then also Dion Buchanan um, as that, like kind of, he was really the first player who dominated as like that safety linebacker hybrid. He was one of the first ones, both of those guys from Arizona, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, not Arizona. When I say from Arizona, it kind of sounds like Arizona university from the Cardinals. So I like Vance Joseph. Um, Justin Simmons is a guy who I think was there when he was with the Broncos and the, uh, kind of plays that similar role so who knows if they draft him I'm assuming they're going to use him for that role but I agree with you jack of all trades master of none but I mean you think that's gonna hurt like I, I mean I look at what the Arizona Cardinals have you know on defense mm -hmm. and I think a jack of all trades type of player is something that's 
know, really going to benefit. If they, if they pigeonhole him, then he won't be anything. And bad coaches will pigeonhole a player like him because so, they're stuck in what the system they in the system they want to run. Like he's essentially like a beefier version of Minka Fitzpatrick is kind of what I envision in terms of at least with the Dolphins, they moved Minka Fitzpatrick all over the field. He played like five different positions on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, that might have been I, out of necessity for the Dolphins. <laughs> but I mean, I think that's the reason why he was unhappy is because they had him playing all these different positions, and he's like, just let me pick one. Um, but or the fact that they sucked and were going to lose the entire year could it be one or the other, but either way, that's kind of what I see him projecting as if he does hit his upside, which is a phenomenal player. All right, that's enough for trying to think of takes that we're going to be wrong about in the future. One that it doesn't give me a good feeling because, like Jake said, we're very rarely wrong. So let's move on. We're going to welcome our lovely colleague Jewel Schmitz into the program, she's going to lead us into our second segment, talk about some top five. So go ahead, Jewel. All right, guys, a lot of things happen in this year's NFL offseason. Who are the top five most improved teams after this year's NFL offseason? So, Let's kick it off with the Broncos. Yeah, this is one of my favorites. I'm glad that we start here. They, an amazing um, draft. they did have an amazing draft. And let me just say, like, I was absolutely busting a move watching them because I own Drew Locke in Dynasty Fantasy Football, which is the equivalent of, like, owning Apple stock the year when it shoots up really high, like this is just an absolute home run for me. Like I can't put it any other way. Like I'm thrilled. Like it's as if I'm the owner of the team. Like I am, I couldn't be more happy because when you look at what they did and especially looking at last year, their passing game was 28th in the league. When you look at yards, total yards passing and the additions of Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler would be great compliments to Cortland Sutton, who they already have, as well as Fant, the tight end, who they drafted from Iowa mm-hmm. last year. Um, I mean, I, I just think the Denver Broncos, their defense has always been there. It's all, they always have Von Miller. They have a couple impact guys, and they're middling. Last year they were middling, and obviously they got um, a higher pick this year. They weren't a great team, but I think Drew Locke is a guy who you can – build around and they did I mean forget the draft look at the offseason they bring in AJ Boye for that defense Jarrell Casey as well two pro bowlers and you add another pro bowler with Melvin Gordon um, to pair with Philip Lindsay I, I just don't see how this isn't in a couple years time one of the most dominant offensive teams in the league if they can develop Drew Locke into at least a top 10 top 15 type guy I'm thrilled John Elway uh, former quarterback, make sure that his quarterback is well prepared. So uh, personally, I was doing jumping jacks. With I mean, the weapons, Drew Locke doesn't even have to be that great. He just has to be like Derek Carr level. Just get it to him. Just like just get the ball to them. Like that's all you have. Nothing level. special. Just get the ball to him. And you look at you know the 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 division that Denver Broncos are in. Obviously, they're facing the juggernaut and the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC West, but also the Chargers too. Who you know, if, if all things pan out for them, might be a decent team as well this year. And all three of those teams are very speedy. Like, they, and that's what the Denver Broncos went and got. It's so much speed, especially with KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy. So much they're going to fight speed with speed. And good for John Elway with like not trying to go backwards and move forward. Because I mean, last year, look at the quarterbacks he was he was rolling out there. Like he made sure. He implemented Drew Locke at the end of the season, let him get his bearings, and now you put just weapons around him, and I think the Broncos are, just, are, are on the uphill climb for sure. And uh, just one last thing with this. Um, I'm probably going to butcher his name, so I'll just put that I out was, there. But... I was not going to do it. I saw this name in the script, and I was like, I'm not touching this name, but go ahead. Uh, Missouri tight end Albert Akwugbunam, 
also known as Albert O, who I will now be referring (laughs) to him as strictly, um, was one of Drew Locke's favorite targets while he was at Missouri as well with Albert uh, in, I believe, Aqua. Yeah, uh, Albert O's first time. You had sophomore first. year. He had a 15.6% reception share, meaning out of all receptions, he came in with 15.6% of them on that team as a sophomore. That's pretty impressive. He's a big dude standing at six foot five, and you pair him with Fant, he can really run as well. Uh, again, just another explosive, explosive weapon that they pair with uh, a couple of the guys on their offense for Drew Locke. All right, moving on. I will say we're going no specific order here, but I will say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here, this is probably the biggest acquisition any team has made throughout the offseason, if you guys want to take it away. Um, I literally can't talk about this enough. And Jake knows, first of all, when it happened. James, I'm sure you're happy. When, it, when we signed Brady, Jake was the first person I FaceTimed. When we signed Gronk, Jake was the first person I FaceTimed. So, like, I, and he knows I literally cannot talk about this enough, but it's – it's because they had such an improvement team, and the team even goes beyond Brady and Gronk. But in terms of those two big acquisitions, I mean, Brady has thrown twice as many touchdowns to Gronk than any other player, which is 78 in his career. Randy Moss is second with 39. So not only did we get one of the best quarterbacks of all time, we got his top target of all time. Like, his numbers go way down when he's throwing to anybody else not named Rod Gronkowski. His QB win percentage goes from 78 to 72. His completion percentage goes from 66 to 63. Yards per attempt go down by two yards. His touchdown percentage goes down by 5%. Interception percentage goes down. Like, his, his numbers limit yeah. when he's not throwing to Rob Gronkowski. So, to add those two to the Buccaneers is just well, – we know the problems that Jameis Winston was having last year with even seeing the football field. But, obviously, the 30 and 30, his decision-making wasn't the best. And you have – the guy, one of the all-time best decision makers at the quarterback position in history and the ultimate security blanket in Gronk. But it also goes way past that, you know, for the Buccaneers. We, we, have, we have had one of the, like, the closest margins of loss, I think, in the NFL. We've lost more one-score slash coast games in the previous couple of seasons like the, than anyone I can remember. 19 one-score losses in the past three seasons. You get someone like Tom Brady and get his ultimate weapon in Gronk and that you know, hopefully we can close some football games and close some gaps this year. Improving on the defense, too, which is already a wrap. You wipe that smirk off your face over there. Wipe the smirk off your face. Both of you. Like, I, like, no, me- no, I'm very happy because you said something that shows I'm wearing off on you. You said one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time when talking about Tom Brady. I'm trying to be uh, – the greatest – oh, you want me to say it? The greatest quarterback of all time. I just want to say – The greatest quarterback of all – shut up, Matt. Don't rain on my parade. Don't, don't do this. <laughs> okay, let me, let me live it. Right, but then we look on the defensive side of the football. That was an already rapidly improving defense last year. I mean, there's a reason we didn't win three games and we won seven last year. It's because for as many times as Jameis gave the ball away, we were almost getting it back just as much. And then you get a ball hawk at Antoine Winfield Sr., who was, I believe, fourth in the nation in interceptions and takeaways last year at Minnesota, had a great season. You bring him in, and now you hopefully start to sure up the, you know, the defensive backfield pairing with Levante David, Devin White, um, you know, on your linebacking core, JPP and Shaq Barrett on your defensive front. I mean, we have a really good team going into the next season now. And it's, you know, all, all systems go. Yeah. All I mean, right, guys. I'm sorry. One last thing, just what's apparent to me, Brady went to Tampa Bay because they were the one that could assure him, look, we're not going to do to you what the Patriots have done. You're not going to get stuck with uh, Jimmy Hogan. What, what's that? Chris Hogan. 
as your number one receiver. You're just not going to get stuck. You, you won't even be on the team. You tandem in the league now. Exactly. Exactly. They have tons of weapons. Florida. Yeah. Tampa Bay. I'm cool with it. All right, moving on. The Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, this is a team that we talked about a little bit with the drafting of Isaiah Simmons, and that was one of the big key acquisitions for them this year. Another big name was DeAndre Hopkins, who they acquired in a trade uh, where they swapped out David Johnson. Obviously, that's well-known um, and improves their offense and gets a weapon for Kyler Murray that he really didn't have. I like Larry Fitzgerald. I like Christian Kirk, but I think we can all agree DeAndre Hopkins is just on that next level. And when you look at the defensive issues that they address, specifically with Simmons, Jordan Phillips, another guy that they brought in, they ranked 28th in the league in hurry percentage, as well as the bottom half of the league in sacks, pressures, and knockdowns. And Phillips and uh, – <laughs> yeah, Phillips and Devon Kennard, two guys who they brought in, uh, will shore up that issue with 9.5 and 7 sacks, respectively, between the two last season. Um, as well, when you keep looking down the numbers, both were in the top 45 and QB hits last season as well. You add in Simmons to that mix, and I really like what they have going, and that's not even looking at the offensive side of the ball. The Cardinals will finish ahead of the Rams in the NFC West next year. I, and and I, I completely believe that take. The Rams, I mean, are on a downhill slide. I think Kyler so, Murray's going to break out. I think they're going to go like 10 and 6 and squeak into a wild card spot. I will say this. I, I will say this. Giving the Hopkins to Kyler Murray is the best thing ever happened to a young quarterback. A long <laughs> and I will say this. I wasn't. And it's on record. I'm pretty sure I said that on this show that I wasn't too confident in the offensive scheme that Cliff Kingsbury was going to be able to bring to the Arizona Cardinals. To me, it looked like a very offensive scheme. It's just air raid. It's just like go down the field. Kyler Murray's got a huge arm and a lot of legs, and hopefully he can just make something happen. And I don't know if that – I didn't really see that as a game plan. Like I saw it maybe it's something that quarterback could do, like a really Russell Wilson-type trait. But the game plan that was weird – and it, there, there were times where it worked. Like, the, the Cardinals were not a boring offense, and they had a lot of close games on their side of the football last year, too, for, from a losing standpoint. So, you know, I, I got more and more confident in the scheme, and I, I agree with that, Matt. I think Kyler Murray's doomed for a breakout season. So, before we move on here to the next team, let me, let me just get your guys' opinion on this. If that is true, let's say that it does happen, the Cardinals um, finish ahead of the Rams. Will that be – the biggest fall of grace, fall from grace ever that we've seen from the Rams. Like the quickest, like they went from things being so good. They were the leaders of the pack. They were geniuses. Sean McVay is a genius to them having one of the worst constructed rosters in the league and potentially falling to third in their division. Would that be like the biggest what fall? What happened from is they went all in on big contracts to win a Super Bowl. And then they laid a giant – or their offense, I don't want to be unfair to the defense because they – That's cringe. The 13 points. <laughs> their offense scored three points, the offensive genius. So they went all in and they got to the big show and then they just completely shat themselves. And, and what looked like it happened is teams got used to what they were doing. Like it looked like the first year Sean McVay came in the league, he had people scratching their heads and then they got an offseason to watch film on him. And then the second year they tried to do the same thing and teams were like, oh, we got you now. Like there's another – now the gimmicks are done. Now, now the new way. It was the third year. First year they lost in the first round. I think everyone saw what Belichick did to McVay, and McVay never adjusted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right, right, right. Well put. Moving on, Miami Dolphins. Uh, my dad, Mr. Victor Jackson, uh, when he listens to this, will be very happy. Another team that's been in the dark for quite some time. The Jackson household. Past, like, week five of the NFL season isn't too happy because, you know, <laughs> hopes pretty much go down the drain after that. But this year, we're both looking up. His Dolphins, I think, are the most improved team this season, Be you know, completely, you know, objectively. 
from the team they had last year to the roster they constructed on both sides of the football this year, to me, is night and day. They were 32nd in, pat in defensive DVOA last season, and now they have two new cornerbacks to go with their quarterback of the future to a tug of Iloa. They got, they got his protection with drafting Austin Williams with their next first-round pick at 18. Siren signed Byron Jones, and our, here's, here's a name for me, Jake. Ready? Noah Ig, Igbenog, Ig? Say it, Matt. Igbenogne. Igbenogne. Couldn't do it to save my life. Also signed Shaq Lawson to that defensive front. Got Kyle Van Noy and returning with him for Brian Flowers or returning with Brian Flores, you know, at the coaching position. So the Dolphins, to me, are the most improved team. And the, the team, I believe, has the most opportunity to take, like, the biggest leap in the NFL. Like, going from bottom of the barrel, nobody to the Dolphins are going to be contending for a wild card spot, I believe, if everything goes right with the team this year. And they kept sure. Fitz, which I think helps Tua, just because, like, as, like, a fun veteran that's no threat to you that will actually actively help you, like, learn the NFL. Mm -hmm. And I think Fitz being there not ironically helps them a lot. I think it was an interesting strategy that we saw them employ in terms of the positions that they attacked. I was under the assumption that they would probably draft a running back um, high first three rounds. They did not. And I thought well, they, they went may out and got add, Matt Breida. They went out and got Matt Breida. Exactly. They addressed it in other cheaper ways, mm -hmm. um, which I think is a very smart way to build your football team. And it also could allude to them loading up next year on guys like Jamar Chase, Chuba Hubbard, some guys who are coming out who are big names that they'll probably see. I'm, I think they'll be better for sure. I don't know if they'll be a playoff team. Um, I really think the Bills are I'm, I'm thinking, a strong, I'm strong. I, I'm, I'm saying they make a contention for it. Like, I'm not, I'm not stamping them as a playoff team. They but could I be a wild card. Come week, week 15, 16, the Dolphins will still be in the hunt. And it has a lot to do with the division for me. I mean, we have one team in that division now who's, like, stamped as a good team, and that's the Bills. And if you look at the other two teams, you have the Jets, who I don't think the Dolphins are one too far behind the Jets right now. Like, yes, they've already had their quarterback. They have probably one of the best weapons in the NFL still in Le'Veon Bell. But in terms of where their teams are, there's not too much of a gap there. And then we just watched the Patriots fall from maybe first to worst. So, James, I don't think. Look, Go ahead. Like what? I would love nothing more than to watch the teams of the AFC East just ragged all the Patriots like Hulk Loki style. Like, I would love to see it. I would love I to see ragdoll them, but I think I think they're. I would love to see it, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> like Jared's you still got to. They have Jared. I can't personally. I just can't write off Bill Belichick and the Patriots like until I've seen it. They're in cap hell, and Belichick is throwing the season away. And we'll see. I, we'll I, see. I, I, I and 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 look, look, look. I, you're right to never write off Bill Belichick and the Patriots, and I'm not really writing them off. I'm giving the Dolphins credit, not trying to dismantle the Patriots. You just better hope they don't trade for Aaron Rodgers when he gets disgruntled. Let's just everyone. Now they're going to get Deshaun Watson next year because he doesn't <laughs> want Deshaun Watson out of Houston. You just want Deshaun out of Houston. Last but not least, we got the Baltimore Ravens. A lot so, of people are going to be scratching their heads at this one. So, yeah. I know it's tough to improve from 14 and 2. But they were the best team in the regular season last year, and then they laid an egg in the playoffs. And Everyone's scratching their head, why? And their front office just said, screw it, we're getting even better. They the Ravens don't mess up rush. drafts. The Ravens do not mess up drafts. They, they, don't. they don't do it. They drafted Patrick Queen late first round, and they have a good record with first round uh, linebackers. Uh, two of them are going to be in the Hall Two One's in the Hall of Fame. Terrell Suggs is on his way, and C.J. Mosley is going to be a pro bowler for a while. Mm -hmm. um, so I trust that. and. 
their one hole on their defense last year was run defense because it was 20th in def- run defense CVOA. They were oh, fourth overall. And Queen fills that hole along with signing people like Michael Brockers. And they added to their pass rush by getting people like Calais Campbell. It's, it's scary how smart they are with mm-hmm. everything. Going they- to the draft again. J.K. Dobbins giving that incredibly fast offense even faster. (laughs) And it gives Mark Ingram a break because he's getting up there in age and they can limit his carries so he's not worn out by the time the playoffs happen. Everything their front office does just seems so smart. And I I think they're the AFC favorites. And who who is J.K. Dobbins a little bit reminiscent of? Especially going in the pairing of Mark Ingram. Like a little bit, a little bit reminiscent of, of Alvin Kamara. If you get those two, those that that dual running back threat going again, that's when Mark Ingram was to me was at his best. And like I, we should do this one day. We should we should go through a comprehensive list, like an in out list of smart NFL teams. There's a finite amount of them. The Ravens are one of them. The Patriots are one of them. The Steelers are one of them. The Seahawks are one of them. Like there are teams that just don't. Ooh, fuck shit I don't up. know about the last one. Look, I, I know that you can have your gripes about how they use Russell Wilson, but they also were right about DK Metcalf when everyone was wrong just last year. So I'm, and yeah, they have no, been proven to be successful. Right. So, ex- ex- which is exactly why maybe an episode in the future we'll go through, and I just want to have a list because, like, when a team, when one of these teams on, on our list is doing something, the NFL should pay attention. That's all I'm saying. Which is what we've been clamoring for for, you know, about a year now. And eventually they'll catch on. Eventually they'll catch on. But that's all we got for the improvements uh, for this year's NFL offseason. But, you know, not the only thing that's been going on this past week. Jewel's going to update us on what's been going on this past week of sports. What's going on, everybody? First and foremost, the Ball brothers, LaMelo, Lonzo, and LiAngelo intend to sign with Jay-Z's Rock Nation Sports. It was a family decision. They shopped around agents a little bit, but couldn't quite feel at home with anybody else other than Rock Nation. So as a squad, that's who they're going with. Uh, The boys' agent, Jermaine Jackson, has known Jay-Z for years since previously playing on the Knicks. So he kind of gave them the hookup in a sense and the introduction, but ultimately – it was the boys' decision, and uh, LaMelo Ball is among the leading candidates to be taken first overall in the upcoming NBA draft. So one of Rock Nation's first tasks with the Ball brothers will be securing a shoe contract for LaMelo. And I think it's funny, Julie, you used the phrase at home. They felt at home with Rock Nation. They literally uh, appropriate. Left, they left their papa and go, <laughs> I mean, LaVar, LaVar Ball, and I, I'm sorry, but I think about this from a very LaVar Ball point of view. Because I think he's the reason they're not all still with BBB, if that's even still a brand right now, because you can't have BBB without BBB. But um, if you look at it from his standpoint, he like was half right and half wrong. He said, my three sons will be in the NBA. He's right. His three sons will be in the NBA. But he was wrong about like him trying to do it and him being the one to make it happen. And he literally drove his sons out of town. Yeah, and you know what? I, you, I think he does deserve credit because – Sending LaMelo overseas, I think, is in when we look back on it, will be a very good decision because he now gets viewed um, through the same lens that Luka Doncic and some of these other guys who are coming over are viewed when he's playing against better competition, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Stronger, bigger competition. So I think he deserves credit, at least for that. Before moving on, I thought you were going to say that 
at home for all of our us coronavirus quarantiners. That's what I thought you were going to say. It works. Bro. By the way, they're at home. Why. I saw a video of them today playing like you know in their five million dollar. They got a compound. Talking about stay home, you know, stay stay at home. Like yeah, it's easy when you right. have a small you city. About, they're, you, got they're five, you got five homes, bro. Yeah, like. exactly. All right, moving on. The five star point guard Deshaun Nix is pulling back from previously committing to UCLA to play in the G League. Uh, he called it a me decision. Nix is the third player to join the G League from the 2020 class following number one prospect Jalen Green and five-star forward Isaiah Todd, both of whom made the decision earlier this month to do so as well. Nix was ranked number 20th in the ESPN 100 of 2020 and is number 12 in ESPN's most recent 2021 mock draft. I love it. I love it. I love it I love so much. Because for years, there have been athletes fighting the NCAA for correct compensation, any compensation. And it took one, one class, a couple top guys, three guys who you mentioned, Jewel, to decide, you know what, we're going to take an alternative route, which has been kind of an, a growing trend over the years. And then more the NCAA those, comes out. Three, more than those three talk about LaMelo and RJ. Exactly, Hicks, right. These two. That's fine. It's, that it's, it's a Right. It's a growing trend. And now the NCAA says, oh, you know what? Now we're going to let athletes make money off of their name. I hope I can't wait to watch the NCAA. I hope the NCAA. I know they won't. I hope they crash and burn from this. I detest the NCAA with the very fiber in my being. But I'm I'm very glad to see this. Players are finally flexing their muscles and using their leverage. I love it. It's it's, and we've seen the I know my value and I'm going to flex that from the professional level and it's starting to trickle down and players are getting smarter and smarter and smarter and it's getting down to the high school level where players are like I can start to flex my value now I don't have to wait until I'm in the NBA to realize my value I know I'm value right now like I'm just as famous as some NBA players on you know on social media and pop culture so I know my value and I just love the betting on yourself route of going in the G League right now and if you're going to want to develop, I mean, you're developing from professional uh, organizations. So I think it only helps them. Sure. Moving on. Uh, Jameis Winston agrees to a one-year deal with the Saints departing from Tampa Bay. Now that you have your <laughs> Tom Brady in town. Uh, Winston being only 26, look, he's got a lot of time ahead of him. I see it as he is hoping to experience the same type of career betterment in New Orleans that Teddy Bridgewater did under Sean Payton before Tom Brady came into Tampa Bay and basically said, daddy's home, step aside. (laughs) (laughs) Jameis Winston had led the NFL with 5,109 passing yards in 2019 and also became the first quarterback in league history to throw for at least 30 touchdown passes and 30 interceptions in the same season, James directly towards you what are your thoughts i mean for so what you just told me was Jameis rinson is a record breaker that's what you just told me from those stats but look i was on record with saying that i had no ill will towards Jameis. it just didn't look like it was working out with us he got the lasik eye surgery over this you know over the off season he's back looks fully healthy looks like he's putting in work and i really hope that he got a second shot and we saw what the saints were able to do you know, we're able to restart Teddy Bridgewater's career. And I echo that exact same sentiment, Jewel. I hope they're able to, he's able to have the same type of success that, that Teddy did and hopefully get back to a starting role in the NFL. Like, I do believe at one point, Jameis is going to be a starter in the NFL. He's starter caliber. He just, 
the time with the Buccaneers just wasn't it. So he's got to prove himself somewhere else. Well, he got LASIK eye surgery, which like he was saying he can't read road signs, which are just like in absolutely massive font, which oh. is something terrifying for someone who like must be blind. Reads, yeah, that's yeah. pretty bad. Yeah, that's pretty pinpoint bad. passes. So, I mean, like you said, like the Teddy Bridgewater move to me is like. If Breeze misses any time, then Jameis steps into that high-powered offense. I, I think he landed in a great spot. The Saints got a good deal. It's an all-around win for everyone involved. Yeah. All right, moving on. After drafting my boy Joe Burrow, I'm a huge Joe Burrow guy. I can't I wait to are. see what he does. The Bengals are saying adios to Andy Dalton. Uh, he's officially released from the team. Dalton had been with the Bengals since, well, for a minute now. Yeah, um, I believe. Yeah, he, he's been with them for a little bit. He's, he's been there – thank you, Matt. Mm-hmm. He's been their primary starter since they selected him out of the draft in 2011. He's led Cincinnati to the playoffs five times, though the Bengals lost in the wild card round each and every time. Mm-hmm. And he's the franchise career leader in touchdown passes. He was set to earn $17.7 million in the final seasons of, of his mm-hmm. six-year contract worth $96 million total. After the Bengals spent uh, some cash this summer, they no longer had the salary cap space to keep him and sign the incoming rookie class. So they had to let him go. Um, The Bengals did put out a tweet today um, saying, we have released Andy Dalton. Andy has not only been an outstanding player on the field, but a role model in the Cincinnati community for the last nine years. Thank you for everything, Andy. Um, Yeah, it seems to me like they ended on very graceful terms. He's always giving back and seems very well liked in the community in fact i even read today that andy and jj dalton's foundation has donated millions of dollars to help cincinnati families sick children and and local hospitals impacting an estimated 4.9 million people like andy had to see the writing on the wall right like he like he had to see this coming like this couldn't have been a shot they probably told him before Yeah. yeah yeah um like here's the thing though like, I don't – like, whatever, he's a good guy, but <laughs> – like, like, so if the Cincinnati Bengals were a person, there could be, like, a flesh-eating virus on them, and they would eat off half their body before they're like, ah, maybe we should cut this off. Yeah. Like, Marvin Lewis was there for how many years? 15. And Andy Dalton is the Marvin Lewis of quarterbacks. Yeah, when you yeah, said nine years, so similar, like, that's the same impossible. Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible he's been there for nine years. So, I, I don't know. Like, they obviously upgrade quarterback, but I think he's a guy who could end up in New England. That'd be very interesting. In my opinion, they bring in a guy who's shown he can do it, and he kind of resembles Brady in terms of – I guess. I mean, like, I that, that's – You know what? I'm not thinking that, too. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not even going to make that. that. When he got <laughs> released, I, I said – I said Andy Dalton to New England, and then I said that same exact thing in my head. Like, he kind of is. I can't go there. <laughs> That's a hell of a comparison if you're going to go down that rabbit hole. The greatest thing that ever happened right with Andy Dalton. Like, I, guess, I guess that's Brady's archetype, maybe? I don't know. Is that an NFL GM unnamed told a reporter that their team had a system called the Dalton line in evaluating quarterbacks? Where oh. the quarterback was better than Andy Dalton. They could win a Super Bowl, but if they were worse, they could. Oh. So what does that mean? So he's, he's like debatable when you kind of can't wait to define. That means? Like, that means he's the forever quarterback who goes to the wild card and loses. That's why he became the barometer. That's literally why he came to barometer. There's a scenario where Andy Dalton gets drafted by like the Ravens and he wins a Super Bowl like Flacco did, but it didn't happen. All right, last but not least, I got for you the Little League World Series is canceled for the first time in history. This happened a little earlier today. The Little League International has made the very difficult decision and disappointing outcome to cancel this event. It's, uh, 
I think it's coming on the 75th year, it says. Yeah, oh, wow, that's been going on for a minute now. Um, they obviously decided to cancel based on the inability to play qualifying tournaments in the major U.S. cities. Um, also, the teams wouldn't be able to travel just because of, of everything that's going on and just too much testing that would have to take place to uh, allow it to happen. So I think it was a smart decision. It's sad. I, I've always loved uh, watching that, but it is what it is. We'll yeah. see next it's, year. It's definitely the right decision, but I don't know about you guys. That one hit a little harder because – I, almost, yeah. I forget about the Little League World Series every year until it comes up, really. I mean, it's not something you, like, follow on, a, you know, throughout the year. And I forgot it, and then I got that notification today, and I was like, oh, man, not the Little League World Series. Like, that's such, like, a joyful event for everybody involved. Like, the MLB now has, like, the, the game where they go to Williamsport and they play a couple games in front of the kids, too. And I'm like, damn, like – I just think it hits home for our area, though, too, just because yeah. specifically it's, like, right, right by us. The so then – that's why we like tap in. It's just like, oh my god, like it's right, it's, it's happening. Right like yeah. we're hosting it. Like that's so cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's a PA and, pride thing for sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, if the NBA and NFL can't figure out a plan at this point to move forward, I, you know, you definitely can't blame the Little League World, World Series for not having a plan of how to move forward. So there, there would sense. also be sense. an uproar if they did. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. If, yeah. if all the pro teams were canceled. Yeah, that's true. And the, well, I mean, they don't have to pay the Little, the little League World Series. We're going on. Yeah, I mean, they don't have to pay those athletes, but still, you're exactly right. that You can't have the Little League World Series and not have the nah. major pro sports. All right, guys, let's move it to the countdown. Number five. Number five, the number of times Phil Jackson didn't make the finals while having Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant from 1990 to 2010. That is as like ESPN of a stat as it gets, but that shows how successful Phil Jackson was, you know, as an as a NBA head coach with Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. So <laughs> – in between his time, obviously took, I think, a year or two off between his last years with the Bulls um, and then his first years with the Lakers. But if you look at, like, that six-year stretch, his three-year title run with the Bulls takes a couple years off, comes back, and then wins three more straight with the Lakers. It's indisputable he's the best coach ever, right? Basketball. Yes. Yes. In indisputable. Pro? Or are you saying all pro? Pro. pro, pro, yes. There's a debate by him and Coach K for all-time basketball. It gets muddied when you go into college, yeah. 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 All right, number four. The number of 60-plus win teams Michael Jordan's Bulls defeated in the NBA Finals, and just to give you perspective, in Kobe's seven final appearances, he only faced one 60-plus win team in the Finals. Um I mean, it, look, the last dance, I'm, not, I'm a LeBron over MJ guy. Like, this has mm -hmm, been well documented. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the last dance has really opened my eyes as to, like, the day-in, day-out, or the year-in, year-out grind that he went through. Yeah, what he, what he had to – I mean, I especially us being this age, like, we weren't actually alive for him going through – I mean, we were – no, we weren't alive. Him going through – no, yes, we were alive. Him going through his, his, his final finals run, but we were like a year or two old. So we didn't really get to experience the day-to-day. -day. I mean, the fact, I that he, the fact that he had to, to deal with – yeah, you were, you were a toddler. Um, the <laughs> fact that we had, he had to deal with the whole Scotty, um, you know, contract dispute. Dennis Rodman literally came up to him and said, I want to go to Vegas for 48 hours and stay – That is the best. That's, like, that's the best thing of all time. <laughs> like, he had to go through – it all, and then after being asked after every single game, what are you going to do after this year? Because Phil's not going to be there. Like, you know, that it did, you know, it gave me a, a lot of respect. I don't know if I could have any more respect for Michael Jordan as a player, but, you know, it didn't change my mind about who's best all time, but it definitely put a lot of context around it for sure. Number three. Number three is for the amount of first-round picks the Redskins selected from 1969 to 1990, that's 21 years. That's Art Monk. 
Mark May and Dale Green. They've only had three first-round picks in 21 years. Is that correct? Is that what I'm reading? Yes. Two of them were Hall of Famers, so props to them. A lot of it's because they had a guy named George Allen as their head coach slash GM for a while, and he ran the Redskins, and he called the team the Over the Hill Gang because he hated rookies and would just trade picks for veterans. That was his entire, like, M.O. Okay, so so can we officially stamp the Redskins as, like, the worst football organization? They won three Super Bowls during this time. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's insane. That's absolutely insane. Uh, that's pretty funny. Number two. The number of consecutive drafts without a running back selected in the top 20, the three years before each had a running back drafted in the top five, I mean, you, you can what put a gun up to my head. I'm not picking a running back in the first round. I'm just not doing it. I'm not doing ever? it. Ever? Like, what? Like, ever? Like, I mean, you would, not, like, Saquon Barkley, you're sitting there as a – you would pass on Saquon Barkley in the first round. You would do that. if you I would yeah. pass him in the top 20. Yeah. I, I would pass yeah, just because – Like, some are absolutely ridiculous. You, like, like, not everyone's going to pass on him, but, like, here's – okay. The Eagles, hey, one hey, of the biggest hey. plays in the Eagles Super Bowl run was Corey Clement, an undrafted care. free agent, I don't reeling in a ridiculous catch. If I, I Arian Foster, don't another example. Care. That is Saquon Barkley. That is easily you look Alvin at Kamara, second round. Third round, third round. He's not going to be there in the second or third round. Like if you Alvin get Kamara. Alvin Kamara went in the third round. I'm talking Saquon Barkley. I'm talking that individual example. Like, James, that's my example. You're splitting hairs. Who? God. I, no, you're not. James, put a gun up to my head. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Can't get me to drop to running back in the first round. Don't ever, don't ever be a GM, GM of a team. Just put it that way. Bring it down number one. The amount of teams to have a winning record versus Tom Brady's one team of all time, and that's the Denver Broncos, and it's barely at nine and eight. So, Matt, I say it again. I don't know if you want to turn up your computer audio a little bit, make sure you can hear me well. The best quarterback of all time. He now resides in Tampa. I have nothing more to say. <laughs> it probably helps having Peyton Manning, one of the probably Brady's like number one arch nemesis, I'd say, throughout his career, um, on on the team for a, some of those battles. But yeah, Denver's a hard place to play, especially you know you got Brady eating fucking almonds and his TB12 method rolling into Mile High, just lightheaded as shit. I mean, <laughs> that's what it is. It has to be. Almost out of time for this episode of Straight Facts, but we can get some shots about the buzzer. Since I forgot my co-host last week, I will definitely not forget him, and he will go first. Jake, what you got to say at the buzzer? So alluding to uh, what we kind of just talked about with Dennis Rodman, like he's my fucking hero. Like (laughs) someone who has the balls to tell the greatest basketball player at the time of all time, the greatest coach of all time as well, look them dead in the face like, look, I just need to make – I should go away. I should go away. People complain now about Kawhi Leonard sitting out. He's on the bench, you know, oh, load management. He, he, he's just sitting out for no reason. They gave Dennis Rodman two days in Vegas to do whatever the hell he wanted And he to. stressed it to nine. And he stressed it. He did come back. Like, like, not only did he take the vacation, he then just ran it off into a nine-day bender. Like, what an absolute legend. And he was a piece. It's like, he and then he came back, and Michael Jordan said to himself, he came back without a hitch. He came back and balled out. Like, a, his body is not made of human flesh. Like, his body is Teflon. Like, I cannot and, believe. And just one last point about Rodman. The comparisons to Draymond Green need to stop. Stop it. Absolutely. They need to stop. Draymond Green is a great player. He deserves credit. But he's not what Robin was no. to that Bulls team. It, you look at the pure way. rebounder that he was. Draymond Green doesn't come close. He does put other things this, better, but put it this way: 
when Dennis Rodman took too long in Las Vegas, Michael Jordan flew out himself to go get Dennis Rodman. That shows you how important Michael knew Dennis Rodman was to the team. If Draymond Green goes to Vegas and stretches it to nine, Steph Curry not hopping on a plane to go get Draymond Green. I'm just going to leave it painstakingly as that. Matt, you got anything to say at the buzzer? I just want to say food banks need money right now. And if you have disposable money of any sort, uh, think about giving it to food banks because they, they're – fall of donations since this coronavirus hit. And they're one of the places that people need to go the most, people who can't afford to go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So if you have extra cash that you can spend, give it to your local food bank. Love it. I'm behind it all. Anything we, anyone can do, you know, to really help efforts, it's, it's great. Joel, what you got to say at the buzzer? Yeah, just piggybacking off of that. Um, I just want to thank all the healthcare workers that are working right now because they are a hell of a front line. And I'm really sad I missed the flyover the other day. Apparently, there was a flyover Over from Trenton down yeah, to Philly. And that. I missed it. I'm in Ben Salem. So, like, go figure. Like, <laughs> I don't know how we missed it, but we did. Um, but we're, I'm really sad that I missed it. I'm very thankful for our frontline workers, and I hope everybody continues to hang in there. Yeah. What no quote? No quote? No quote, yeah. Oh, I got a quote. Uh-oh. No, Matt. <laughs> no, F you. Hold on. Don't I can hold my quote. It's fine. I can go a different week. No, you're not. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think the week is the issue, Matt. There's there's, give me a second. Hold on. I have it in my phone. Give me a second. Okay. Here's one. Be the master of your fate, not the slave of your problems. Oh. Love it. Love Another it. Love one. it. Love it. Optimism. That's what we're here for. Speaking of optimism, my at the buzzer, uh, LeBron James today, this has actually nothing to do with optimism, but I thought that was going to work and it didn't. But LeBron James today debuted um, the Space Jam 2 logo and release time and unfortunately did get pushed back to 2021. It's supposed to be this summer. Obviously, they can't finish filming because of coronavirus. I wore my Michael Jordan Toon Squad jersey and I cannot wait to get a LeBron James Toon Squad 2 jersey. I kind of hope he embraced everyone's suggestions and made the Warriors the Monstars because that would make for the best movie. But I can't wait for Space Jam 2. I'm going to cop all the merch. and watch it as soon as it comes out. And much like The Incredibles 2, Children from ages 1 to about 13, 14, 15, this movie's not for you. It is for us. Let our generation enjoy it. Y'all go watch Frozen 2. That's for you. Did, did you see his beard? Did you see the it's beard gross. he's growing? It's Ew, big. yeah. It's like Harden-esque. Like, it's getting close to Harden-esque. Yeah, it's long. I don't like it. Eh. I mean, look, cool. I think the more, I like hair he grows, like the more hair he grows down towards his chin, maybe just embrace that he's losing it up top because I think it's time for Braun to go bald. Yeah, getting there. I, I really, he's growing it out so he can get a transplant before the, the season resumes. But we, but he did that. And remember when his headband, like his headband was pulling his hair off. Like it's that just, was gross. Like sometimes you just gotta give it up. And I think the best players of all time got dominant when they went bald. So I think it's it's time for it's time for him to embrace the trend. But that's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. Big ups to Stat Matt Robinson and Kyle Sierra for doing what they do behind the camera from our partner Joel Schmitz. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. To my main man, Jake Galley. I'm glad I didn't forget him this week. I am James Jackson. These have been the facts. Straight up. <laughs> <laughs>